It is the 200 level episode 198 Portal Combat for all the old gamers out there. And that's essentially what Illinois is going to be doing for the next month, is trying to figure out how to put together a roster via the transfer portal and maybe a high school player here and there, whether it be that Brandon Podzimski, am I saying that right, from Wisconsin, four-star wing, who would be a nice addition, or of course, Ty Ty Washington, which would be a monster addition for the backcourt, and all the more needed with the transfer into the portal, I should say, of Adam Miller. Now, you can easily go into the portal and get a guy here and get a guy there and fill out the roster. And later on in this episode, we're going to get into what specifically we're looking for and how really we can boil this down to the simplest form, which has everything to do with Kofi Coburn and whether or not he returns. But sadly, the attrition that we've seen on this roster and the attrition that we are likely to see in the next week or two leads me to believe that keeping Kofi might have less to do with whether or not he's going to be a first-round pick. That's probably not going to happen. And more to do with the fact that he will look around and say, well, who the hell am I going to play with next year? And that is a concern. Regardless of the transfer portal and extenuating, extenuating circumstances, you just wish that you would not be in this position when a month ago, I mean, I'm sitting here on April 6th, and I'm pretty sure a month ago would have been the day or the day after we won at Ohio State to all but secure a one seed in the NCAA tournament and thinking what a difference a month makes. And here we are, <laughs> you know, like the day after the national championship game and not a dud. I, I tweeted this last night. That game was not bad. It was more Baylor was amazing and Gonzaga just didn't have any answers. I don't think Gonzaga came out flat so much as Baylor imposed their will. And if you want to take solace in anything from what we saw last night, it's that you would not have probably beaten Baylor. And yes, I know any given day. One team can beat another. And if Illinois would have gotten past Loyola, certainly they could have made a deep run. But we were talking about national title on this podcast. And I think a lot, a lot of Illini fans were thinking the same thing. We've been to Final Fours, and you bet I would have loved to have hang, hang a, hung a Final Four banner. Excuse me. But national title is what we were eyeing. And the likelihood of that, I don't know how good it was. When you consider that Baylor did get back to their normal selves, and were fantastic not just last night and not just Saturday against Houston, but the entire tournament. They look like the Baylor of old. So congrats to them, Scott Drew, and an amazing job that he's done over there. And he's built that program into something serious. And this team that they had, you know, you're watching them and you see the length and the athleticism. They have three or four shot creators. They got three different centers that fill that role perfectly. That kind of remind me of a guy that Illinois picked up over the weekend. If we want to you know, get excited about Omar Payne. And you see that the template to win a national title in college basketball is you got to shoot, you got to have size. And it's not really about one guy doing it all. It's about having that ensemble cast and three or four guys that can do it at any given moment. Now, Illinois will take a bit to get to that Baylor level. And even this year with as good as Illinois was, it takes time. And it took Scott Drew time. He's been there for over a decade, I think. A sneaky long time that he's been a Baylor. So as we sit here and try to figure out, well, what can Brad Underwood do? And what should our expectations be as we go into year five and beyond? It does take time to build things. And I hope that what we saw this year for Illinois was not a one-shot deal. It feels that way, doesn't it? It feels like it was a one-shot deal because he had first-team All-American, second-team All-American, number one seed in the tournament, 19 wins in the Big Ten, most in school history. All these factors would point towards, you better get it done this year. And as we sit here now, three weeks removed from the last Illinois game, and you see the attrition on the roster, and you wonder who's going to be on the team next year, the national title feels even more out of reach, like we blew our chance. And I tweeted that out last Thursday after Adam Miller entered the transfer portal, and some accused me of hyperbole. And I don't know about hyperbole, but I do think that is the worst case scenario. Yes, that Illinois blew their chance, and it's a possibility that that's exactly what happened. But there is the alternative. And you're going to notice, guys, that I'm going to waffle between the good news, bad news thing. This is fandom. Some days you wake up feeling great about the situation. Other days you wake up thinking it's Illinois sports and we are you know, screwed for all eternity. But the other side of the coin is that Brad Underwood, who has shown flexibility before, can figure out how to navigate the transfer portal, how to bring in the guys that he needs to win immediately to start sustaining that success and then eventually build a program like a Baylor. 
where you do get multiple chances to make Final Fours. You do get a few chances to win a national title. And that is my hope. That is my hope. And I think there's a decent possibility of that happening, just as there is a possibility that we don't get a lot of guys in the transfer portal this year, and we look at our roster in November and think, oh boy, Andre Corbello better average 43 points a game. All those are on the table, and this month will probably tell the tale uh, quite a bit. And then there might be a bit of a lull in the summer until we find out whether or not Kofi's coming back. But uh, we'll be here every step of the way. I certainly wish we could have been doing more post-game podcasts and reacting to games and, and a deep run in the tournament. But this has its own intrigue, and there will be frustrations when we strike out on this guy or that guy. But there will be surprises, I would think, as well, and hopefully some present, pleasant surprises along the way. Sorry, Rosie just sort of got going with the barking there and it it tripped me up before I get too far here into this episode of the 200 level. A reminder, we are brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. Use coupon code Mike for $5 calzones and $6 premium and construction zones at dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. You can use, again, coupon code Mike for those deals and you can get custom zones with any topping you want or some of the favorites like a Maui Wowie, a buffer zone. Those were the two go-tos when I was back in school. That's dpdoe.com. Also got to thank Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com. Everything from a new roof to a crawl space inspection and everything in between. Go to rectorconstruction.com. They'll get you a free estimate. And these guys are not only great at what they do, but they are great citizens of Champaign-Urbana, giving back to their community all the time. And I can vouch for one of the guys over there, Isaac Ambrose. Yes, he works at Rector Construction. You may have seen him on their TV ads. So go to rectorconstruction.com today. Also got to thank 4th and Kirby online at 4thandkirby.com. It is warm weather, ladies and gentlemen. It is t-shirt weather. And 4th and Kirby, they have plenty of them. Go online to 4thandkirby.com and use coupon code 200LEVEL for 10% off your order. Everything from the Corey Bradford t-shirt, which I've been rocking a few times here. Some Illini football shirts, including Big Guy. That's one of my favorites that I got from my 4th and Kirby collection. Again, that's online at 4thandkirby.com. Coupon code 200LEVEL at 4thandkirby.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian and his staff will hook you up with great State Farm prices, no coupon code, ne- coupon code needed, and great personalized service. Kara and I can vouch for it. Our homeowners and auto bundle, it was a cinch. Brian and his staff took care of us, made it very easy. So go online to brianismyguy.com. That's State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. Hey, if you haven't already, ratings and reviews, those are huge for us on Apple Podcasts. We got a lot of great feedback during the season. And now that we are settling into postseason or off-season mode and talking about, you know, less about games and more about this recruit, that transfer, and so forth, drop us a line. Uh, you know, four or five star review would be great. You can give us a one star review. If you don't like the show and you just hate listen, that's fine with me too. But the more ratings and reviews we get, the more people find us on Apple Podcasts. So um, if you're an Apple user, check that out. And we appreciate it ahead of time. Okay, so I was mentioning the national championship game last night. And for the first time on Saturday, I sat down and watched the second game of the Final Four. And it was the first college basketball game I'd watched in earnest since Illinois had lost to Loyola. Maybe bits and pieces here and there, but for the most part, I avoided it. And boy, was that just what the doctor ordered. Gonzaga, UCLA, two teams from the West Coast. So geographically, I had no connection to them. And I was able to maintain that distance between the disappointing Illinois exit and what I was watching on Saturday night. And it didn't feel like it had anything to do with what had happened three weeks before. That's why I think I could watch it and enjoy it. But what a game. And, you know, the national title game was a bit anticlimactic if you're talking about drama. But Saturday night was just what I needed to kind of get back in the swing of things with sports. Because I'm going to be honest, there was a two and a half, three week period there where I was just a state of malaise, just not really into it, not really wanting to watch basketball or even to think about it. And I think that night watching that game, I finally came to the final stage of grief, the five stages Denial, anger, bargaining, something, acceptance. I think acceptance is the last one, right? Regardless, I came to that acceptance phase and now feel at peace with what happened. That's not to say there's not going to be that wound 
that we carry as fans from disappointing losses, that that's ever going to fully heal. But I think there's this place that I'm at now where I acknowledge what happened. I'm disappointed in it, but I'm not playing the what-if game as much. Now, certainly, watching the Baylor game last night, I you know, did a couple bits of what-if with some friends and even Trevor and Isaac about, well, what if Illinois would have played Baylor? Probably wouldn't have went well. And I guess that'll pop up every now and then, like whack-a-mole. We'll think about this or we'll think about that regarding this Illinois team. But I feel far enough removed from it where I can start to contextualize what this team was. And at the end of the day, they were still pretty damn good, right? And they are one of the better Illini teams I've seen in my lifetime. There's another silver lining here that I was discussing with Trevor and Isaac, and we mentioned Iowa and how Luca Garza, an amazing career, one of the all-time greats at Iowa, player of the year, and here's a question. What do they have to show for it? No conference championships, no Big Ten tournament championships. They had an early exit in the NCAA as well. That's what Fran McCaffrey does. So if you're an Iowa fan, you're thinking, well, what was that all for? At least we got something tangible. And you can go back to those November podcasts. And I said, I just want this team to achieve something tangible. And they did. And you can still argue. I mean, we're, we're sitting far enough removed from it where, yes, Michigan got further in the NCAA tournament. But if you're one of those Illini fans that wants to say we were also regular season champs, have at it. Because you know what? That team deserved a regular season championship as well. I don't care if Michigan made it further in the tournament. In the Big Ten, you were every bit as deserving as they were. What that means is, regardless of a regular season banner or not, you accomplished tangible things this year on the court in this year of all years. And I will always be grateful for that, regardless of the disappointment at the end of it. Now, the final chapter is always going to leave a certain taste in our mouth. And if this team would have gotten, let's say, to a Final Four and just lost to Baylor by 15 or 20 points in the Final Four, you know what? Whatever. We would have had a Final Four banner, and I think I would have been that much more at peace because you would have had more of the journey to go along. But I think the shock when we lost that Sunday to Loyola, part of it was, is we were enjoying the journey so damn much. And there weren't many other distractions over the last year. Fortunately, it seems like we're getting closer to the other side of this pandemic and, and normalcy. It's within reach, right? And the weather's nice. Thank God that helps too. But for this winter, for January and February, back to December when he won at Duke, you know, these moments that we had in otherwise very dark time in our lives, and that's not hyperbole to say that. Regardless of your personal situation, this year kind of sucked for everybody to some degree, right? And this team gave us four months of entertainment. And more than that, it was more than just entertainment and distraction. It was four months of meaningful emotion and joy, occasional frustration. No doubt this team would frustrate us sometimes, but I hated that the journey ended that prematurely. I emailed the sponsors, uh, a couple of the sponsors today and just said, you know, I thought we'd be talking about something different on April 6th. I genuinely thought that we would be having a podcast today, either, you know, reveling in the victory of a national championship or talking about what a great season it was and how it ended in the final four. And we don't get that opportunity. And it's really the last two to three weeks that I wish I could have done those post-game podcasts with Isaac and Trevor, that I would have still had that inspiration to come in here and do like four podcasts a week, because that's what we were doing, and I loved every bit of it. And I still do, right? I still love this, um, even when there aren't as many good things to talk about. But it is okay to acknowledge this team for what they were. They were a very good team. They meant a lot to all of us in this year of all years, and we all felt that pain of them not going further. And probably no more so than Brad Underwood and the the players themselves. And as I look here at uh, yesterday, there was a press conference that Brad Underwood had, end of the season press conference, and he had been very quiet over the last few weeks, and understandably so. I mean, what are you going to say, right? And I'm just going to go through some of these. Jeremy was able to live tweet it. And one of the things that really stood out is that Brad Underwood has still not watched the Loyola tape. It's too fresh form, it's too raw, and I get it. I mean, I'm never going to revisit that. Why would I? No Illini fan, I don't think, in, you know, in their right mind is going to revisit that, even though somehow we still had a really good uh, listenership for that podcast. People still listen to that postgame. Maybe for catharsis or closure, I'm not sure. Maybe it was the closure component. But he has not watched it, and, uh, you know, hard to blame him. And his press conference yesterday, and there's a good write-up on it on Illini Inquirer, the pod, excuse me, not the podcast, but the press conference. Yet again, Brad Underwood was very honest 
about things. And I appreciate that from him. Talking about the disappointment at the end of the year. Talking about not wanting to watch that Loyola game. Things that I, I don't think he's the only coach that would say it, but I think the way in which he delivers it, I sense authenticity in what he's saying. And you could sense that disappointment and hurt. So that's refreshing on one hand. On the other hand, it's, oh God, you know, it sounded a bit postmortem. It sounded a bit, uh, yeah, we'll be fine. I like what we built here. And, and there was some uncertainty laced into that press conference as well, especially as it relates to the transfer portal. A fairly short answer when asked about Adam Miller. Um, talked about how the transfer portal, that's sort of the new paradigm as opposed to high school recruiting. And what I gathered from it is a coach that is reeling from what happened three weeks ago. And on one hand, that's fine. But on the other hand, I know they've been busy. They've been in the transfer portal. They've been active. I had this slight fear that it was such a shocking loss to them that there may be a bit of a recovery period here longer than I would have expected or hoped for from their perspective. Let me give you an apples and oranges comparison. Back in 2000, Illinois football lost that game at home to Michigan. Their entire season was derailed. Now, that was within the season. They could have bounced back. For whatever reason, they put all their eggs in that one basket. And when that didn't happen, everything just kind of fell apart. And my fear, and we're going to watch this over the next couple of weeks, when we see targets either commit to Illinois or go elsewhere, we can quickly swing this pendulum from, oh, everything's going to be okay, to, oh, God, we're in trouble. And my fear is that at the oven, there is just as much uncertainty in their offices as there is you know, here in the Sunroom Studios as I'm giving this press conference or wherever you are reading your recruiting tidbits and stuff. We're all uncertain, right? I just want the coaching staff to be more certain. <laughs> I want them to be like uber confident and think, well, we can get this done. So yes, I appreciate the authenticity from Brad Underwood. I, I think that is, that's still refreshing to me that he was able to come up into this press conference and talk about the emotions that he felt from it and also talk about the fact that this is in fact an entirely new era of college basketball with the transfer portal. I'm also encouraged and heartened by the fact that he is flexible and he has shown the ability to adapt. And I think that he will with this transfer portal stuff, but they need to do it immediately. It needs to be immediate and it needs to be quick because all of a sudden you have an empty roster. As I look at this roster, we have Andre Corbello. And I really think as long as you got an Andre Corbello, your floor is raised immensely. You can get Andre Corbello and a bunch of dudes and you could do far worse because Andre Corbello as a sophomore and the jump that I think he's going to take will raise everybody's game. So just don't put a bunch of scrubs around him. Put decent ball players, and we'll figure something out. We'll figure something out, right? But if we want to simplify it even more, it comes down to two guys, Andre Corbello and Kofi Coburn. If those two guys are on the team, you could surround them with Joe Blow and Joe Schmo. And I still think it's a top 15 team based on the strength of your point guard and your center. I think that alone will elevate you to the top four of the Big Ten yet again. And whatever conversations you got to be having with Kofi, apparently all these players, they went home because they're doing online classes. That's what they've been doing all year because they were in the bubble. Kofi and the rest of the guys went home and there have not been those conversations yet. But when there are, boy, oh boy, there has to be a sales job to Kofi. Be the Big Ten Player of the Year. Be a first-team All-American. Make money on your image and likeness, which he would make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Let's be honest. A lot of fans are nuts. Kofi merchandise, trademarked by Coburn Corporation or whatever it may be. That kid's going to rake money by just playing one more year at Illinois based on image and likeness. I hope he does. I mean, for a few reasons. Selfishly, because I want to see him in orange and blue again. But also, he deserves to make money for all the money he's brought into the university, as does Andre Corbello who's now the face of the program. And I think one that's willing to shoulder that. Just please, for the love of God, don't transfer. I if Andre Corbello transfers, we are up a creek. And there's no doubt. But that's really how simple it is, right? If Kofi and Andre Corbello come back, you will be fine. And I don't think this is bargaining. You know, my, my whole thing was, well, if you got Andre Corbello and Adam Miller in the backcourt, you're going to be fine. Well, then Adam Miller left. So now I'm going to, well, if you got Andre Corbello and Kofi, you're going to be fine. But truly, those two guys are so good that just surround them with decent pieces and you'll be good. So we wait on Kofi. We won't find out probably anytime soon about that. 
And then that leads to the transfer portal. And how do you supplement what little you have on the roster that for sure is coming back? And that would be Andre Curbelo, Jacob Grandison, Coleman Hawkins, Hutcherson if he's healthy. Then you get Luke Goody coming in, Melendez, the kid from Florida, and hopefully Brandon Podzimski. Am I saying that right? I'm sorry, Brandon. <laughs> it's one of those Polish names from Wisconsin, so I, I will get that right. Brandon P., how's that? You hopefully get him to commit as well. But then that leaves, outside of Ty Ty Washington, who's a high school recruit, that leaves the transfer portal. Now, the podcast that I had last week, the podcast that I had about Adam Miller, I wanted to comment on that real quick because that was raw emotion at that moment. And I was clear then, and I want to be clear again, that Adam Miller has every right to transfer. And I'm not going to begrudge the kid or any student athlete if that's the decision that they want to make. It is his. It sounds as if the coaches and the players had no idea. They were blindsided by this. And one thing I notice people do when there's something like this, and trust me, I'm all in favor of the student athletes' right to do this. But some people take it a step further, and it seems like any time a player announces, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go there, or they put out one of those Instagram things that, um, you know, committed or decommitted, like there's always announcements. Everything's so freaking official now with an Instagram post and stuff that some fans take it upon themselves to say, hey, thanks so much for everything. And thanks for the memories. And they almost turn it into this like noble thing that he transferred. Listen, I don't wish ill on Adam Miller. He was here for nine months. He had some good games for the team. He was a crucial part of a really good Illini team. I wish him well, but I'm not going to tweet at him. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for the memories. Orange and blue forever. No, I'm not going to do that. And I think sometimes we can question, however young they may be, that maybe it was misguided for someone that was on a team for nine months and essentially in a bubble with these guys, I would guess closer to them than most any other people in their life over that nine-month period, and didn't even give them an inkling about what he was going to do, that they had to find out through Twitter about this. That's not respectable, regardless of age. And if you want to call that judgmental and want to call that unfair, well, Carp, what would you have done at age 20? Probably something stupid. Probably something stupider than Adam Miller. I won't doubt that, but... I think that sometimes we get so caught up in, well, let's be the classy fan base, right? Of course, there's going to be jerks out there, and there were that responded to Adam Miller about this. But on the other hand, there are people that seem to take it upon themselves that they need to be you know, overly gracious. And it is what it is. He's gone. We don't need to belabor the point. He was here for nine months. He left without telling his coaches or his fellow teammates. And while he's within his rights to do so, we don't need to all of a sudden turn this into some noble endeavor that he entered the transfer portal. It is what it is. It's a business decision, I guess. Probably a personal decision based on maybe some gripes or something that he had with the coaching staff or probably some family situation too because it always seems like these players, you know, when they get to a certain level, there's going to be handlers and people that you need to appease. Maybe that was part of it. But speculation aside, we don't need to build him up to be more than what he was, which was a good basketball player for a year who committed to Illinois and said, you know what? I'm going to go somewhere else. And that's that. You know, we don't need to belabor it. But hey, the transfer portal taketh and it also giveth, right? So we got Omar Payne from Florida. Big guy, uh, four, five, depends on what kind of lineup you're trying to run. He's got a lot of athleticism. He's a rim runner. Guy that's really good defensively in the interior. Someone that will get you the garbage buckets like dunks and layups. Maybe not the best shooter. I think he's under 50% from the line. So you have that to look forward to if you enjoyed Kofi's adventures from the free throw line. But overall, this is a promising pickup and even more promising if he can somehow play as Kofi's backup for one more year. Of course, that goes to Kofi's conundrum here. But Omar Payne seems to be within the template of what we saw last night with Baylor. You know, these 6'9", 6'10", guys that are very athletic, that get up and down the court, that can defend well, and Omar Payne can do that. And for someone that played 15 minutes a game at Florida last year because he was behind, was it Castleton and somebody else in the interior? For someone that still averaged about four points a game, um, four rebounds a game, really high block percentage, you got to feel pretty good about adding him to the rotation. Now, if he's your starting center, that's not the most ideal thing. It's not. Um, and there's a possibility of that. Right? But you could also do worse if he is a starting center, and then it all comes down to how the rest of that roster is flushed out. But a decent pickup and someone that I am excited to see because he was, after all, in that same group along with Drew Timmy 
and Kofi Coburn in the mid 40s of that 2019 class. So there's a lot of potential there and we'll see if it comes to fruition. And if it is going to, I could see it happening with Antigua and what he's done with big men. So overall, a good pickup, not going to be necessarily the game changer, though. Maybe he can take a leap next year after he gets some time here at Illinois this summer, because apparently he will be here this summer. So now the focus turns to what's next and you need help in the backcourt. You need help in other places in the roster too, but it seems like the next imminent thing to drop will be a guard. Now, Ty Ty Washington's not in the transfer portal, but if you were to get him to pair him with Andre Curbelo, and you can offer him a starting spot, so if that's part of the sales pitch, that's fine. I think you feel much, much better, not just about next year, but the next two to three years, if you get Ty Ty Washington. In the transfer portal, Armand Franklin is the name that keeps getting brought up, and what will be interesting to watch with him is how Indiana, all of a sudden, they're bringing people back. Trace Jackson Davis, he's back. Christian Lander, he's back. And it seems like Mike Woodson, whatever he's pitching these guys on, it's working. And while I don't have a lot of trust or faith in Mike Woodson to work long-term, if he can keep some of those guys on that roster, they'll be halfway decent next year, just on the strength of returning guys. So you could also see Armand Franklin having that meeting and saying, you know what, I'm going to stay here in Indiana. But you need to get someone, and you need to get someone quick. Namari Burnett's another name out there, though I know that that conversation is cooled. And names will come and go. Right, Names will come and go, but you need to get a backcourt mate for Andre Curbelo. We thought that Adam Miller was going to be that, but you know maybe Adam Miller wanted to be the alpha dog. And it kind of became clear in the last month of the season that as good as Adam Miller was playing and as excited as we were for what he was going to become, and I still think he's going to be a really good player, Andre Curbelo was becoming the lead guy on that team, not named Io. And if you look at that stretch run from when Io went out to the end of the year, Andre Curbelo was playing 30-plus minutes a game. He was your primary ball handler, and he really dictated everything on offense. And if you're, if you're going to keep one of them, right, if it were an either-or situation, you kept the right one. You can go out there and get other Adam Miller-type players. And a Christian Lander would go a long way to not just getting, I think, the equal of an Adam Miller, but someone that's a bit more proven at the Big Ten level, good defender, as Adam Miller was, averaged 14 points a game last year, and a really good three-point shooter. That would be a monster addition and someone that immediately you think, okay, well, I like our point guard. I like our shooting guard. And that would make Ty Ty Washington's decision a bonus. You get him, and all of a sudden, I really love that backcourt, uh, along with Luke Goody coming in and whoever else he might supplement the backcourt with. And then you throw in guys like Hutcherson, who's the big unknown because of his back issue. And one point that I thought was interesting from... Jeremy and Derek, they did a podcast over the weekend about Omar Payne. Jeremy brought up a point how we look at last year's roster and we get in this mindset that, well, if DeMonte leaves, you got to get someone to fill that spot. Or if Trent Frazier leaves, you got to get someone to fill that spot. But something I hadn't considered is that you might be moving a direction where Jacob Grandison can properly play the three next year, depending on who you get in the transfer portal. That there's enough flexibility with the guys that you do have that um, you were not locked into these set positions just yet. And that gives them more options as they go out there and try to find, okay, of these 1,200 players or whatever are in the transfer portal, which ones would fit, which ones wouldn't. Well, the fact of the matter is a lot of them would fit. And then you can juggle the Hutchersons and the Grandisons of the world. You can decide if Payne is going to be a four or a five, depending on the lineup. And you can do all of this regardless of what Kofi's decision is, and it shouldn't really impact whether or not these transfers look at Illinois and say, yeah, I want to come in. You have that nice balance where you can offer immediate playing time, and in some cases, like a Christian Lander, a starting spot, or Ty Ty Washington, starting spot, come and take it. Um, but you also have that olive branch out there. Come back here. We know we got Andre Curbelo. We just may have Kofi Coburn as well. I'm interested to see how this plays out. Because this is a different kind of sales pitch for Underwood, who mentioned yesterday in his press conference that the days of high school recruiting, he didn't say they, they are no more, but he essentially was talking about, that's what I'm used to, and that this is a new day. And they got to adapt quick, adapt or die, right? And we will find out, I think, within the next month, maybe even within this week, if we see a Ty Ty Washington and a... Armand Franklin go off the board, and now we're getting down to options B, C, D, and so on. I start to feel a little bit anxious if we get to the end of April, and we're still looking at a roster where other than Andre Curbelo, Jacob Grandison, and 
Coleman Hawkins and Austin Hutcherson's, you know, stress fractures in his back. If that's all I'm looking at by the end of the month and Omar Payne, right. Because we're starting to see these names drop off pretty quick, right? We're starting to see these guys commit to their new places, not take too much time. And I would like to think that Illinois is an attractive enough destination where they can make that pitch to some others as well. But yeah, here we are, portal combat. I mean, you got to get down to it. And I, I think the aggressiveness and the energy put into this, I don't question that this coaching staff will be able to do that. I wonder how much Underwood relies on, even in this Zoom environment that we're in, how much he relies on the likes of an Antigua or a Chin Coleman to get these guys in, to get them interested, and then Underwood is, I guess, the closer? I'm not sure. And also the fact that you have other sales pitches apart from playing time, apart from playing with an Andre Crabello, you have the fact that Io DeSumo came in here and within three years went from a four-star kid, right? Maybe a five-star in a service or two, to an All-American in three years. How Kofi Coburn went from a top 50 guy, four-star, keep in mind, not a five-star, and then became a second-team All-American by a sophomore year. You see development, and you would hope that that would be enough to convince some of these younger guys, including a Ty Ty Washington, who had a monster senior year, to think, you know what, if I can go in there and be all Big Ten, all American, why couldn't I? By the way, if you've ever watched Ty Ty Washington's highlights, impressive as hell. <laughs> Whoa. Kid's got a chip on his shoulder. I love it. I want someone like that here. I like the idea of adding uh, an edge to what we have. By the way, by the way, Omar Payne, we didn't address the fact that he elbowed a couple elbows in one of those SEC tournament games. That was the last memory that a lot of people nationally had of Omar Payne as a Florida Gator. Yeah, that's a problem. So when I say edge, I don't necessarily want that. And also, I guess I'm kind of contradicting myself because DeMonte would get up in people's faces and then I would get ticked off if it were, if it were like a late game situation and I was afraid he'd get teed up or something like that. <clears throat> so I am being a little bit hypocritical there, but I don't mind it either. You know, I prefer that to the pillow soft John Gross era where there was no edge. Other than that time that Kendrick Nunn got in, was it Taylor Battles Grill? Oh no, DJ Newbill. That's what it was. The Penn State game at home. Kendrick Nunn got in DJ Newbill's face. That was the most edge that we saw in the entire John Gross era. That was it. Five years. So I'll take it. And when I watch Ty Ty Washington, I, oof, that'd be huge. And reasons to not just be like, oh, we'll be okay next year, but reasons to think, wow, him and Curbelo in the backcourt, you're going to be fine. Just surround them with some dudes and you're going to be okay. Now, speaking of dudes, as I record this during lunch on this Tuesday, it appears as if Io is going to announce he's going pro later this afternoon. And now that we are, what, two and a half, three weeks removed from the final game of the season and Io's last game is in Illini and trying to properly place him in the Pantheon, I'm going to be fully transparent with all of you. In the last few weeks, I noticed that I sort of just turned on my blinders to that team. You know, of course, we were able to talk about it. There was some frustration when we did. And when, when, when I did talk about Io, there was that lingering disappointment that that was going to be his final chapter. And that was how we would potentially remember him by. And I don't think we're out of the woods yet. I think that it's going to take a lot of success for Brad Underwood for us to completely get over what happened and also to properly give Io his due for what he did. I know some people are. And I give, I give kudos to you if you were able to or were able to more quickly uh, give Io the credit that he is due. And I'm wanting to do that right now because I, I'm just saying the last few weeks, I was too often going the direction of, wow, that's your last game. That's how you're going out. And then especially after like an Adam Miller situation where he transfers out after one year and you look at what Io did coming here in the first place, but staying here three years, coming back for that third year and thinking, well, that's pretty remarkable. And it's going to look all the more remarkable the way the college basketball is gravitating to this. All right, well, I don't want to play here anymore, so I'm going to transfer out. And this guy stuck it out. He deserves credit for that. And it is because of him that we are in a position in the first place to talk about getting Illinois basketball back to not just relevancy, but prominence, right? We can't even have that conversation if Io didn't commit to Illinois. And we can't have that conversation if Io didn't develop into the player that he was. And 
that's what I wanted to focus on today as he presumably announces, I think it's on ESPN this afternoon, presumably announces that he is entering the NBA draft and it's much deserved and he will have a successful pro career. I have no doubt about that. The Loyola game aside, that's the aberration. That is not what Iodesumu is. And yeah, I hate the fact that that's the last image that we have of him in a Lanai uniform, but there are far too many other moments for us to dwell on that. You know, it's, it's that tricky balance where you hold two truths in each hand. And, and one of them is that that was a very frustrating end. But on the other one, you have a hell of a lot more evidence that this guy did more for this program in a three-year span than most guys in program history. Now, where does he compare with others? And Jeremy, I think, properly contextualized that by saying Eddie Johnson might be the better comp than a Dean Darren, just because there wasn't that postseason success. And I would agree with that. But that's still one of the all-time greats. Eddie Johnson's one of the all-timers here at Illinois. I would assume he's one of the all-timers. We can say that comfortably. And we can be grateful for the fact that he gave us all these moments, regular season or not, right? I know there weren't the moments in the postseason. And I, I wish he could have had just one, one shining moment. I wish he could have just had one of those NCAA tournament woe moments. And it just never came, right? But you also got to consider the context of what the last two seasons were interrupted in the middle by a pandemic. And this leads me to one final point that I've only addressed once on this, only addressed it once on this podcast. And I think this is where sports fans, we get so into the games that we forget that these are in fact, just dudes, real human beings that are going through life and navigating all of its obstacles, just like we are. And for these guys that were on this Illinois basketball team and what they did, and Underwood spoke to this yesterday, what they had to do over the course of the last year in order to just keep the ship afloat and to not get COVID-19, the sacrifices they had to make were far more than anything I've ever had to do in my life. They essentially sequestered themselves off from their friends and their family and the rest of the world so they could play ball and stay healthy and get through an entire season. And there is a chance there is a chance that that has a mental impact on you and that it is exhausting and that you're fatigued after spending nine months doing everything right. And then by the time they would have played the Loyola game, having been in Indy for a week and a half in your hotel room or in a conference room or at Lucas Oil Stadium or whatever gym you were playing in. I love music, right? But if you told me that for nine months, you're going to eat, drink, sleep, play music, and that's all you're going to do, eventually there's going to be a toll that that takes on my mental well-being, and my energy is going to feel zapped, and I'm not going to be myself. And for these young, young guys to do this for as long as they did, I think is, is pretty incredible. Now, that doesn't excuse playing as bad as you did to Loyola, I don't think. I mean, you know, Brad Underwood yesterday said emotionally flat, and that got me to thinking about the ramifications of nine months of doing everything right and being in a bubble, essentially, even when you weren't in a bubble, you had to live your life like you were and thinking, well, that had to have some cumulative effect over time that had to have played a role on that Saturday morning in Indy, right? It had to have in some way, shape or form. Uh, and maybe it did still not an excuse for playing that bad and not an excuse for not making adjustments and not an excuse for just some of the poor execution that we saw from some otherwise very good Illinois players. But if we are to look back on this season, I was falling into this trap of treating it like any other season and saying, well, you guys lost in the second round, so therefore you're like this other disappointing Illinois team. But you know, the 1987 team that lost to Austin P, they weren't sequestered in a bubble for nine months and they didn't have to sacrifice as much as this team did. And you pick your Illinois team that had a disappointing march. I mean, you could look at the... Sean Harrington, Brian Cook, senior year when they lost to Notre Dame in the second round. The Notre Dame team that wouldn't miss a three that day. And guess what? No pandemic that year, right? Just normal life. These guys dealt with something that had never been dealt with by college athletes before. And I just feel like, you know, it's not an asterisk. I don't think it's an asterisk. But I think it's important to occasionally remind ourselves that while we're sitting here watching these games, as I was in the sunroom, and doing the podcast and just having a great old time. And then the game's over and I can shut it off and I can go hang out with my wife and then uh, socially distance. I can hang out with my sphere of people. 
and not remain in my house and only in my house unless I do the podcast, right? No, I was able to go out and do things. And these guys didn't really have that luxury to do that. So just something to consider and something I thought of in trying to not be too damn hard on them for how it ended. You know, frustrated to hell. Absolutely. Disappointed, you bet. Um, Unfulfilled. Yes. All of those things. But meanwhile, recognizing that this was different. This was different. And uh, I got to give them credit for that. And I got to give them credit for just giving us some sunshine in an otherwise very long and cold and dark winter. Hopefully the darkest winter that we're ever going to have. I'm hoping that next November through February and March, we are going to be at State Farm Center. All indications are, of course, you will be. Hopefully we have a roster that we can actually put on the court. <laughs> we got we to figure that out. But man, uh, this was in many ways, um, it, it was a great season. Let me say very good. We'll play the semantics game. A very good season that gave us so much in the way of great moments and true joy in a year where we were absent of that for a lot of it. And um, there's something to be said about that and something to be said about the sacrifice they made for it. So, hey, thank you, Brad Underwood and, and crew for what you did. Thank you, Adam Miller, even, right? <laughs> I don't have any beef with Adam Miller, but it's, you know, listen, thank you, Adam, for the nine months that you were here. Thank you for the rest of the guys and for Io, who's announcing this today, presumably again to go pro. Um, much deserved. He's going to be good in the NBA, role player or star. We'll see. But here at Illinois, his legacy is pretty secure, despite the footnote that maybe you didn't want. And I know he didn't want for sure. Um, but I'm excited to see if that legacy can grow based on what Underwood and the staff does going forward. Let's say next year, here's a hypothetical. Let's say that they get enough guys on this team and Kofi comes back. Maybe Kofi doesn't come back. But regardless, you somehow finish in the top four of the Big Ten. You make the NCAA tournament. You win a game or two. I think what we'd be saying to ourselves at that point is, okay, we're on solid footing. We got something going here, right? Consistency. I think what we all want to avoid and that pit in the stomach feeling we have, that I know that I have at least, is that we had this window and then it abruptly shut and you didn't even find that you know plateau where you could level off at NCAA tournament team, right? I don't, I don't want that to happen. I don't want next year, next February to be thinking, oh my God, like we got to win three of the next four in order to get on the right side of the bubble, right? Can we avoid that? Can we not go back to that anymore, please? Um, and I think there's a chance for them to do that. And as I mentioned a couple podcasts ago, I think one thing that will make it a little bit easier next year as a fan, think how frustrated you were, let's say the second half of the Baylor game. Think how frustrated you were against Ohio, the third game of the season, or at Rutgers in December. That was all due to the expectations that we had on this team. And we felt like it was, well, you better win big or else. Well, imagine entering next year where you have an Andre Crabello, maybe you got a Kofi. But even if you have a Kofi, there's not going to be this final four or bust, Big Ten championship or bust. We'll be unencumbered by that. And we can just watch the games and watch some of these new pieces and hopefully enjoy it without this feeling like, well, they got to win every game or, oh my God, they lost a game here in December. What the hell's going on? No, I think we get to avoid that. And that will be, I mentioned fan pressure before. That will be a little bit of pressure off of us as we observe it. And I think even for the team, they can just go out and ball. When you got a guy like Andre Crabello as your lead dog, I think that that only helps the overall psyche because it's clear that he's just there to play and have fun. And, and I don't think he's too hot and bothered by any of that stuff. And that's the kind of mindset that I think we'll all kind of feel next year. And hopefully we can feel that for a team that will accrue some talent over the transfer portal and will put forth a product that we'll be excited about. That, I think, is best case scenario. And what the hell? You know, this, this program, this Illinois team, that they only ever make deep runs when they're a one seed. Aren't we due for that year where randomly we get a five seed and we make it to the final four? Aren't we due for that? I'm just saying, it could happen. Uh, before we go, quick note, Brett Bielema. You know, we got spring football going on, and there's not a whole lot in the way of news coming out of it, or at least not, not any big nuggets that I picked up on. Marquez Beeson, for example, he's going from cornerback to wide receiver. Worth a shot, I think. Exciting to see him in another playmaking role because he didn't really seem a lot last year. 
And you got the quarterback competition between Isaiah Williams and Brandon Peters. You know, there's a few other things, a few other nuggets over time. But the big thing is the overall vibe, I think, that is coming out of that football performance center and Memorial Stadium over the spring football session. And with each passing press conference, whether it be from Brett Bielema or yesterday, Corey Patterson spoke and talked about the different vibe in that football performance center and the sense of family and belonging and togetherness that while Corey Patterson didn't say this sounded like did not exist before when it was the Lovey Smith era. I use the word vibe a lot and it does seem to be a good one coming out from the corner of fourth and Kirby. It really does fourth and Kirby.com. But yeah, the corner of fourth and Kirby where that football team is practicing right now. And you got all those returning super seniors and you have this new coaching staff full of experience and guys that know what they're doing. I have more confidence in Illinois football than I've had since, I don't know, after the Rose Bowl year, if I'm being honest. I mean, I I had confidence in Zook after three years. I think a lot of us did because of how good of a recruiter he was. And we saw that he can win games, even though we all questioned how good of a, you know, X's and O's guy he was. But it's been a long time since I've looked to that side of Kirby Avenue and thought they know what they're doing. And they do. And more than that, if you go to Brett Bielema's timeline, Yesterday, there was a random tweet about, you know, campus and how beautiful it is. And, oh, man, it's so great to be here. It's so beautiful. It seems like every other tweet from this guy is how much he loves being here. And eventually, you could say, well, that's just lip service. That's him doing the sales job. I think it's authentic. I think he's an authentic guy who genuinely enjoys being here and recognizes this as a great chance, given what happened at Arkansas. And I'll give Whitman credit for this, identifying that Brett Bielma, yeah, he's still probably a pretty good damn coach. And the fact that Arkansas might have been that aberration for him. But also having put some pieces in place, including the Football Performance Center, that would make this a more attractive destination for someone like Brett Bielma, who was, let's be honest, he was going to get back into college coaching at some point. Maybe you scooped in and got him at the right time. I would love to think that. And as we get into this first year for Bielma, I've said before, you know, it's not a high bar to clear when it comes to first years for Illinois football coaches. Lovey went three and nine, Tim Beckman two and ten, Ron Zook two and nine, Ron Turner zero oh and nine or zero oh and eleven. Sorry, that's not a high bar to clear. I think they're going to be okay this year, and okay could be five and seven. For all I know, okay could be four and eight. But I think the difference is that we're going to see competency and what that looks like. I don't know. Time management won't suck. <laughs> They'll be able to run the ball consistently, which last year's team, it was kind of hit or miss. It was weird. Uh, I think tackling, I mean, I say all these like very basic things, but doesn't it seem to you that those things that made us pull our hair out with the Lovey Smith era and the Tim Beckman era, just the incompetency at every level, at every facet of the game, it was always kind of bubbling up like whack-a-mole that next year they could go four and eight or they could go five and seven but yet we'll have this different sense. I've seen football teams before that, let's say the Ron Zook, the second year, they go two and nine. And there were a couple bad losses in there, don't get me wrong. But you also felt like, well, wait a second, something is solidifying here. And by the end of the year, when Ohio State came to town, I think you lost 17 to seven. And the defense is great. And you were competitive against the number one team in the country or top five Ohio State team. They were really good then. And I remember walking out of the stadium that night and thinking, I think we're on to something. They, they can make a bowl game next year. And that was the first sign of competence. You know, that, that early Ron Zook era, there was some competence there. They were, they were establishing that on both sides of the ball. I think we're going to see that pretty early with Brett Bielema because he's a college football lifer. And when you consider where he came from, the Iowas and the Wisconsin's of the world, I think even a Bill Snyder connection, was he at Kansas State for a bit? all the right places, right? All the models that you look at for not traditional football schools that became football schools because they had the right man in charge. He's still young. <laughs> I mean, Brett Bielma is still a young guy. If this works out, he could be here for a long time. And wouldn't it be great if we could go 20 years in the future and we see Brett Bielema still the Illinois football coach? That means you're Iowa. That means you're Wisconsin. What I would give for that. And it could happen. You know, I tried this new thing this year with Illinois basketball where I said, I'm not going to go worst case scenario. I'm not going to go Murphy's Law. It bit me in the end, but it worked out for most of the year. 
And now transpose that to football where our expectations are not nearly as high. And we would be over the moon with seven and five, eight and four, and the occasional six and six year, whatever, right? But we know what our expectations are for football. And I think he can meet those. I think he can meet those. So it's just encouraging to actually kind of look forward to the spring football game. I think it's coming up next Monday or a couple Mondays from now on Big Ten Network. Tune into that and watch a spring game that I, I haven't watched an Illinois spring game in God knows how long. There's no interest. There wasn't when Lovey was here. There wasn't when Tim Beckman was here. Early Ron Zook era, there was a little bit. So it's nice to feel that little bit of enthusiasm that normally on an April 6th, I'm not even thinking twice about Illinois football. I just don't care until the games start because I kind of know what's going to happen and it isn't going to be good. But this year, there's enough optimism to think given this schedule, and it's a winnable schedule, by the way, it's, it's very favorable, very favorable that you could, my God, if they made a bowl game this year, they go six and six this year. Holy crap. Let's go, right? Hey, speaking of transfer portal, portal combat, football, same thing. And I think that he's going to find that balance. Unlike Lovey Smith, it was transfer portal or bust. I think that Bielema will find that balance between high school recruiting, transfer portal, supplement the positions you need to through the transfer portal, but actually build things from the ground up just like they would a Wisconsin or an Iowa. So I'm encouraged by that. All right, before we get out of here, that was a packed show. Uh, lots going on. We'll be back later this week and who knows if names are going to drop if anyone else is going to leave for the transfer portal, or maybe we get someone from the transfer portal. Um, but we'll have more to talk about either Thursday or Friday here on the 200 level. Before we get out of here, a reminder of the 200 levels brought to you by DPDO. Online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices. Go to dpdo.com. Custom zones with any topping you want. And uh, some of the favorites, Maui Wowie Buffer Zone. Those were my go-tos back in college. And you can use coupon code Mike for $5 calzones and $6 premium and construction zones at dpdo.com. Fourth and Kirby, online at fourthandkirby.com. The weather's getting warmer, so get yourself some t-shirts from the guys at fourthandkirby.com. Coupon code 200 level at fourthandkirby.com. Also got to thank Rector Construction, online at rectorconstruction.com. Everything but a new roof to a crawl space inspection and everything in between, rectorconstruction.com. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen, online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. We'll be back later this week. In the meantime, this is Decadence Out of Your Head from our latest album, Fever Dreams, and where music is streaming. Stay safe, stay healthy, get outside and enjoy this absolutely beautiful weather, and we'll see you soon. It is the 200 Level.